Hey everybody, it's Court. Just wanted to jump in here real quick before we play the episode and let you know that we recorded this well in advance uh, prior to the death of George A. Romero. This isn't another one of those kind of opportunistic, the man just died, let's cover his films and celebrate his life. This is our raw, true love of Romero and a discussion of one of his more, let's just say, divisive films. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that love it. There's a lot of people out there that do not. And um, we spoke about it with our pure, unadulterated feelings, just about how we feel. And you're going to hear it on the episode. We do talk as though Romero is still alive because at the time you recorded this, he absolutely was. And uh, I know I speak for myself and hopefully as well as Boz and uh, Witch that uh, we love the man and we hate to see him go. And rest in power, George Romero. Okay, so uh, on my side, I'm not going to mute anything like I normally do or anything like that to kind of control it. So I'll. I'll just trust you guys because you're professionals. <laughs> Come on, guys. You're professionals. <laughs> I love how this show, we're all like, ah, fuck it. We'll fix it later. I can mute myself when the tissues and the lotion come out. I mean, no, sorry, I mean, the, the Julie oh. bit. I mean, the, anyway, oh. carry on. <laughs> you guys know that I will use all this shit against you, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, that's why, see, I almost responded to Boz and I went, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know how court rolls with his his editing. Yeah, that's exactly it. There'll, there'll be a, a bit so, be saying like weird things about my genitals, and we're not having that. <laughs> yeah, that's gold. You can use that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get this rolling here, guys. Here we go. Mister Court, Mister Boz, Mister Witch. It's showtime. Danger! Danger! High voltage. There is no spoon. Yes, there it is. The flying guillotine is an awesome weapon. It's not practical. It's not even aerodynamic. But it's awesome. Easy Rider is cool. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. They have fuel tanks the size of a pea. You'll get three miles out of that. Okay, okay. Could we possibly just talk about the damn movie? Obsessive cinema discourse. Hello and welcome to Obsessive Cinema Discourse. I am the host for the evening because I'm the one that chose the film that gets to torture everybody else. And sitting immediately to my right, I have my Busby Berkeley overseas bromance in Boz. How's it going, buddy? Recalcitrant Hulk Boz smash. Hulk Boz <laughs> been drinking. Hulk Boz ready for record show. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. Hey, how's it going, buddy? How's it been? Uh, mental. Uh, work's been insane, but I have wine, and this is going to be fun. So, <laughs> looking forward to it. We all know that when you apply drinking to problems, the problems immediately <laughs> go away. Oh, well, yeah. they will for this couple of hours, so... Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm actually really excited to talk about this. Now, to my immediate left, and that is not a political position necessarily, my brother from down under, my man crush, the witch. How's it going, buddy? Hey, motherfucking hey. How are you, mate? I'm doing great, buddy. We're all hanging out tonight, and we're going to talk about George Romero's Night Riders. Are you guys as excited as I am to rip into this? I am fully pumped. <laughs> I am at least half masked because it's bikes and boobs. So bring yeah. it on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so why don't we just go ahead and get right into things? We'll have the trailer, and here we go. Once courageous knights roamed the land, searching for adventure. 
ready to brave any challenge. Night Riders. The knight is a fighting machine, disciplined in mind and heart, and noble to the death. Night Riders. Action. Adventure. Romance. Heraldry. Pageantry. And magic. Magic got to do with the soul, man. Only the soul got destiny. Night Riders, they ride for the crown. They fight for honor. That kid thinks I'm evil Knievel. That kid thinks you're William the Knight. You're his hero. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm fighting the dragon. Following a dream as far as it will take them. Because a legend lives as long as someone believes. This isn't just a roadside carny anymore. Not for some of us. It's a lot more than that. It's a whole lot more. You know that, Morgan. You guys, it's the most fun I get in my life. I just don't see you all breaking up. You think it's breaking up? It's money, Billy. It's all to do with money. Money makes the world go around, even your world. Small town jails is uh, uncomfortable places. <laughs> Damn uncomfortable. Throw down the gauntlet. Take up the challenge. A new age begins. Romance and adventure live. Night Riders. The legend is born. All right. Knight Riders from 1981, from the venerable, and I love him so much he can do no wrong, and I mean that, George A. Romero. Right. Oh, that, that, yeah, come on, come on. You've seen Survival of the Dead, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> early Romero, sure, I, I'm willing to give him everything, but come on, towards the end, yeah, not so much, bro. No, I do, I do love him. I do. I think John Carpenter did say it best, though, when he said that filmmaking is a young man's game, and that's why he's kind of backed away and is doing more producing work or things like that or his music. So, yes, I think George has finally caught on to that as well, because I think he's moving into a producer's seat and letting some other people kind of take the reins and give him a shot. So let's see how that works out. Yeah, sure. But at this point <laughs> in his career fucking awesome. All right, a quick synopsis. A traveling troupe of jousters and performers are slowly cracking under the pressure of hick cops, financial troubles, and their failure to live up to their own ideals. Well, actually, it's the failure to live up to one person's ideals. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that. The group's leader, King Billy, because if you're going to be a king, you might as well be called Billy, is increasingly unable to maintain his warrior's rule while the Black Knight, is he ever called the Black Knight? I'm sorry. Uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> is being tempted away to L.A. and stardom as they all have to ask why they were here in the first place. That sounds a lot better than what we actually get in the film to me. <laughs> it's definitely a lot deeper than what we actually get. See, we'll get into that as well. I mean, we're, we're moving into the next segment here, so I'll kind of defend against that statement a little bit. I'm going to be a Romero apologist the whole show. Right. So that's just what I do. Let's move in before we start really digging into the film and just giving it a severe lashing about the throat and ears. Why don't we tell everyone why we actually love this movie? I didn't love I it when I first saw it, but because I've watched it twice for this show, I've gained a much deeper appreciation for it. Um, 
and literally just before recording, I decided I liked it. So, I mean, it's that recent. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the first time I saw it, which is literally forever ago, um, when I was much, much younger, it was just a really, it was more, it was motorbikes and redheads and boobs, and I went, yeah! <laughs> um, but uh, I've always been a, a big one for the Arthurian legend, so this really, you know, they're watching it as, a, as an adult, and like Bod said, watching it a couple of times in sort of fairly close succession, it's just like, no, I really dig this movie. I really like it. I got it when it first hit DVD from, I think it was Anchor Bay, and I still have that DVD laying around. I picked it up, and I had no idea what I was going to expect. I was expecting just to, like, not dig it at all and, and really, really hate it. And I watched it in my really pretentious film watcher years where, like, everything had to have a purpose and everything had to have this hidden meaning to it. And I couldn't just have fun watching a movie. I had to be, like, overly analytical about it. And this film spoke to me on such a level and I knew it was not a good film and I will not say it's a good film. I will just oh. say that I love it and I still enjoy it. Yeah, because it's too long. That's his yeah. problem. Oh, it's yeah. crazy long, yeah. Yeah, but it's so beautiful. It's so... There's there's the guts of a really good film that just needed to be cut down a little bit more that the guy was too close to it, I think. And that's yeah. that's what I love about it. And I seriously, like, when, the first time that I watched it and I was taking the notes and I was finding all this stuff, like, that I was looking at it and I'm going, I'm being really biased with my love here. I can't find things to nitpick. And I'm like... <laughs> and I knew I was like, man, Boz and Witch are going to savage this and I'm going to be hurt and I'm going to run off and cry in the corner when we're done recording. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm actually like, why did I... <laughs> well, I struggled from the OCD angle because I try and be more OCD when I prepare for this. So it's like, but it's really hard film to criticize technically. Um, yeah. The only thing I, I mean, criticize it, it, is the pacing the... and the editing, really, and the runtime. Oh, so the only thing that, uh, for me, it was, it was the practicalities of obviously some of the motorcycle stuff. Um, and But, you know, that's, that is what it is. That's a very small small part of it. I mean, you know, yeah. it's your, it's the same as picking on you know practical effects, right? They're not what you're always going to find something mm. to to pick on. But looking at the you know the wider story, um, the story itself and the emotional content was way better. You know, it's going to be fun when we finally do a movie that we all fucking hate because <laughs> you're going to rip it a new asshole, and that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> or two of us, two of us hate it, and one of us love yes, it, and we're, we're playing an attack defend. Yes. 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 <laughs> we will get there eventually. We yes. will oh, get yeah. <laughs> there's stuff on the list already that I know we will get there. I'm sure of it. You know what I mean? Well, it's good oh. because there's stuff I haven't seen, and I'm terrible at going back to old movies and mm. watching them now. If I don't have a pre-existing love for them normally, I'm really harsh on them. So mm. once we get past the ones I've seen, yeah, there could be some of that coming. See, I can I can sum up why we love this movie in a single word. Boobs. <laughs> for me it was going to be two words bikes and boobs <laughs> it's going to take me a little bit more i actually have a few statements as to why i actually love this film so yeah well tell us why you love this film mate we'll just cheaply just throw in just snide remarks we'll pretend we're as intelligent and insightful as you are yes <laughs> Well, if I'm pretending to be insightful and intelligent and you guys are pretending to be as insightful and intelligent as I am pretending to be, therefore you have another level of pretending. Mm. <laughs> and there are six degrees of separation between us and Kevin Bacon. I would like to keep at least seven degrees of separation between myself and Kevin Bacon. Thank you. You want to touch his bacon boner. Admit it. <laughs> Not since he won't embrace the love of Friday the 13th for like the longest time, nor the love that people have for Tremors either. He's finally come down off of his high horse after Bernie Madoff took all his money. 
But I don't want to get into that right now. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Knight Rider. Hey, you know them remaking Flatliners, yeah? Yeah, oh. I did hear that. <laughs> 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 I didn't like it the first go around. Neither did I. <laughs> so I was okay with them getting ready to do it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but why? It's a remake well from what I've heard, too. Yeah. M moving on. Yes, <laughs> moving on. Why I love Knight Riders. This movie is a who's who of Romero actors throughout almost all of his films. Mm. You get people from like Night of the Living Dead and, and shortly after with Dawn of the Dead. You get people you'll see later on with Day of the Dead. Uh, Martin's in here as well. You get to see uh, John Amplis. A lot of the actors that actually end up playing key zombie roles in a lot of the films like Dawn of the Dead and the Day of the Dead are there. So if you are a Romero obsessed freak like myself, you get to see his stable of actors and they're all right here. There's so many characters in this film. Mm. That's my first reason why I like it. Okay. So look, I've got to admit, I do like young Ed Harris. I've never pictured Ed Harris as being young at all. But <laughs> I look at him and go, you know what? He was, he was never, he wasn't always like just grizzled or half machine. <laughs> he was actually <laughs> a, a, a pretty fit looking bloke. And, and I, I, you know, hats off to him. He was happy to, you know, come out in the first five minutes and go, check my buns. <laughs> <laughs> While I whip myself. Woo! <laughs> 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 For the record, I was into that whole opening scene because of that. So, <laughs> you know, I totally dug that. I don't get the self-flagellation. I'm not sure what that's all about. I mean, it's a disciplined life, but really? Yeah. Not so sure. Yeah. I think it's one of those weird Catholic types, but not, yeah. <laughs> I think it has something to do with uh, him wanting to be uh, getting rid of the, the things of his, not necessarily of his flesh, but like material value and making sure that he knew that his body wasn't who he was and that sort of monk kind of horse shit. Yeah, it's, and also, it's the impurities of the soul and all that sort of stuff. Plus there's an endorphin yeah. rush that goes with it. So I've heard. Yeah, and... And maybe he also maybe he also likes the pain, Boz. I mean, well, who doesn't like a little pain after pleasure or during or you yeah. know before? Well, I just read it as I have, I, I have sinned. I have had carnal pleasure. Therefore, now I must flagellate and punish myself for I am a sinner. Before I go back to my clan, I I don't know that that's early on. That's what you read into it because you know fuck all about him. Um, but Ed Harris, uh, yes, younger, looking fit and everything, but still a little bit intense. Just a, oh, yeah. just, just a <laughs> yeah. tad. Yeah. <laughs> you mean he's overacting. Oh, um, I have I have a series of, of notes about this movie, and I have them in actually bold capitals, and they go from <sighs> overreact one to, I think, overreact eight or nine. So... <laughs> Okay, we're still in the love section. Yeah, we're, we're still we're, we're, to make. Right, right now we love it. Okay, we, we love, love it. it right yes. Now. We love it. The thing that keeps me coming back to this movie, and my main point as to why I personally actually do love this movie, is that I can see where Romero poured all of his personal angst, his existential dread, his passions for art, creativity, and what he wanted society and life to be like into this film. Ed Harris is very much Romero as what he wanted to see society be. I think every everything that Romero saw within himself that was his drive to be so counterculture to a fault is in Ed Harris's character. Now, regardless of how ham-fisted and outlandish and crazy this shit is, I can see that passion in there. I can see that belief structure I can see that that love of a community that is completely counter to everything around you and just saying, no, I will not participate in your world. I will create my own. And I love that. It's so infectious to me. And I overlook everything else that I was forced 
to acknowledge for this coverage for the show because of that. <laughs> See, I didn't go quite that deep. I just figured that they were all happy being hippies but wanted to hurt each other. That's what I thought. Sorry, it, it's it's a bit of a hippie wet dream. That that, that was how I looked at it all. Um, yeah. So yeah, I want to be a hippie, but I want to be massively violent um, at the same time. So if I could find a middle ground, yeah. this is where we're at. But I mean, I, mean, I, I get I get where you're coming from. You know, um, it, it is you know it's the Don Quixote story. It's you know the the dream of being apart from and, and you know living your own ideals and rah rah rah. But yeah, look, they're they're just angry homeless people. All right. <laughs> Some it's of us look forward to hanging out with angry homeless people. Thank you very much, Witch. Look, mate, if you want to have sex in front of a hobo, that's your business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, I just think the the whole commune thing's just made way cooler by the presence of Gastral GTX and rubber and chains and medieval weaponry. And it ticks so many boxes for me, it's not even funny. I actually didn't know this film existed until I started podcasting. And then a few years into that, uh, you may have heard the Admiral make appearances on Pod of Horrors. Uh, He does a show, uh, Starbase 66. Um, But he used to be a member of the Society for Creative Anachronism, which is apparently one of the things that inspired Romero to make this movie. And mm. he's like, dude, you like bikes and medieval shit? Um, take the hey, take a look at this film. And he just threw it at me. And I was like, oh, this was made for me. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I'd been to the States once on a holiday. And it was actually our honeymoon. And I went over there. And one of the main things I wanted to do was meet Rick in person. Because we've been friends for years. And one thing we did was we got swords out. And we had a sword fight on a stage in a the theater. And it's still one of the nice. coolest moments of my life. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Wearing welding masks because we had nothing else for eye protection. <laughs> See right there? That's exactly where this movie lives for that kind of creativity. Yeah. That kind of fuck you to the rest of society. <laughs> and that's why I enjoy it. So yeah. you totally get that. Yes. It doesn't matter about everything else in it that may be wrong that we're going to be picking on mm. because of that. Yeah, it's it's heart, yeah. it's spirit, it's uh, it's it's combat, but it's... Uh, it's it's community and combat, which is a really odd combination, but uh, I've probably got notes about that later, so I don't want to say anything else now. <laughs> the next reason why I love this film, the utter disdain and disgust that King Billy has for being in a small motorcycle magazine, it illustrates not only his misanthropy, but his desire to be completely apart from what is modern humanity. He accepts that he has to use motor vehicles. He accepts that he has to do certain things, but he wants like a very serious, old-fashioned, not necessarily code of chivalry, because I don't think these guys are nearly as sexist as their counterparts in the late 70s, early 80s are, uh, in, you know, their contemporaries. Mm. And that's one of the things that you see with the troop. But he wants to create a society completely apart from everything that is modern humanity and that just almost self-righteous indignation and hatred for everything that is like normal culture of not only America but just humanity Mm. it really speaks to me and I'm like fuck yes let's go King Billy give me a sword and let's fight you know (laughs) yeah I mean the whole the whole scene with the with the magazine and the kid you know summer magazine you know all that sort of stuff um I sort of took it, it was more around, he wasn't doing it for the glory. You know, it wasn't about, um, you know, being being a star or being famous or anything else. This was his life. And, yeah. you know, you. I don't think it was righteous indignation, although I love that as a general phrase. Um, 
Uh, it, it was it, it was the fact that he was he was almost disappointed that the the kid didn't get it that you know this was who he was and everything else and he didn't he didn't need to to you know sign his magazine to to give the kid you know his approval and his understanding that it was lost on the people that were watching they needed them they absolutely needed the people obviously to pay their bills and not well whatever bills they had you know buy fuel but they were a means to an end more than anything else. And I actually wrote that, look, I've got to be honest, I actually wrote, sign the kids' magazine, Billy, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can totally agree. I, I think the reasons why he should have actually been discussing later on and not taking that moral stance, because this is a kid who looks up to you. And he does make up for that later, and that's another point that I'll, I'll make later on. But uh, I do agree with you. He shouldn't have been a dick. He should have signed that kid's magazine. Because we've all been that kid. We've all been that kid that approaches that hero and had him turn out to be a dick. And it's <laughs> just the worst. My first impression of that was that he was just being a dick. And then you realize sort of on a, on watches that he doesn't know that's what he's doing and like you said which is it's, yeah, he's disappointed the kid doesn't understand it's not I won't do this it's like do you not understand why I have a problem with this whole thing and how I am completely separate from that and I don't want to be associated with it um, but I think <laughs> you can get, you can be at a point in life where you're like these are my principles this is what I believe but nah fuck it here you go scribble yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it would have taken yeah, and it's a it's a kid if it were a if it were like a teenager or someone that was a bit older it would be so much more understandable because he could actually sit down and have a philosophical conversation with someone that's not just doing hero worship and being like this is not what I'm about but why don't you and I split a turkey leg and have a conversation about what I am about you know and like give the kid some time and the thing that makes him a dick is it's this little kid who can't understand what he's talking about mm. and he just basically turns his back on him and rants and raves at morgan and everybody else you know like almost like a spoiled child like that nobody's getting it mm. you know no you know and he goes he goes past that point of not just being a dick but like almost letting this fan down and turning his back on the people that are making him who he is. He's not King Billy if people aren't coming to this fucking jousting shit that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, he would still be King Billy. That's but that's the point, right? He's not doing it for them, right? He needs them because as I said that pays for their fuel, that pays for all that other stuff. He did that, but he doesn't need them. He would still be King Billy if it was him and the silent Indian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I can see where that happens, but they don't. That society that he's worked so hard to maintain doesn't exist without them. Yeah, and well, I think he resents he resents them for that. I will agree yeah. with you for that. Yeah, he resents yeah. the fact that he needs them. Absolutely, because he doesn't want to need anybody. He wants their kingdom to be separate from everything else having to do with humanity. Exactly. Now, now this one, I'm dead serious on. There's no tongue-in-cheek horseshit here. The content that this film has that involves the character of Rocky's sexuality and that open and frank discussion about his sexuality and how it is dealt with is shockingly delicate and realistic and gentle of a manner, especially for 1981. And it's one of the things about Romero that I love. He slips this little commentary about, you know, equal rights and all of this kind of stuff yeah. in an era where it's especially for gays, it's not even considered or, or thought of as much. And he does it so matter of factly that in this society, they are pretty much all equals, given that they have, you know, the knights in that different social structure. But behind all of that scenes, they all respect each other, even though they jibe each other. They're one giant family. Mm. I thought that aspect of this movie was the, the word I would use is beautiful. It is beautifully handled um, because it's subtle. It's not going to put anyone's nose out of joint. 
and it just I think it just represents the reality of life in that you know this is what it's kind of like and the the yes moment I just fucking howled I thought that was brilliant <laughs> and, and it was it was that that you know life finds a way we, we've all got our place and and look ultimately it didn't it didn't make him any different it was just there was an opportunity for him to be happy and yeah. you know I look at I actually look at um, particularly TV in the last couple of years where we've really had, um, I suppose, uh, sexual preference shoved down our throat, and it's ham-fisted, and it's real, it's it's written and and done to really put it in your face, and there's almost no joy in it. It's it's almost done as, as a bit of a fuck you. Um, yeah. And I look at this and I go, you know what? This is just about people. It's about mm. people finding their place, being happy, you know, finding love. And you go, you, like you say, that it, it's actually beautiful. Indifference to the, you know, look at me, you know, you have to take notice because I'm gay and I'm different and, you know, you must. I accept everyone. I don't need you to, to tell me why I have to accept you. I accept mm. you. And it's not that box ticking insert gay character here. I mean, that yes. it's just... <laughs> it's not forcing yeah. it on you. Um, I would say a, a series I've been watching recently, which has unfortunately just been sort of cancelled, um, and there's no reason it's been cancelled other than just not enough people are watching it, so I take every opportunity to bang on about it. But if you haven't watched Sensei on Netflix, please, please, please go and watch it. because so they, there they are, are some, getting a two-hour closeout next year. They are, yeah. yeah it's I got some... Pumped. That thing makes me cry so often. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that is an and awesome it covers series. all kinds of relationships. Everybody all mixed up. It's just beautifully handled. I love it. I think it's mm. really great. It's a story about people. It's not a story about preference or yeah. anything. Else. It's about people. Mm. Sorry to get on my soapbox on that one. Bro. No, I actually, I totally <laughs> agree with you on that. Every point that you made, That's it's literally just showing you these people and their lives. And it just so happens that one of their troop is coming to grips with his own sexuality. They could have easily taken Rocky's story and made it about how he's been a virgin and he's awkward and he hasn't had sex. And it doesn't even matter who he hasn't been with. Because that's what you kind of get at, that he's never been with anybody because he doesn't even know what he wants at this point. Mm. And, I, I mean, you do see uh, Christine Romero's character when she sort of ham-handedly just straight out asks him in front of everybody, which is, like, the worst possible way to try and... Like, she's just outing him against his will there. Yeah, well, yeah. it was a dick move, actually. I've yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when Angie does that, it's, it's fucking wrong. But I think that Angie being the mechanic and the the sort of uh, grease monkey girl that she is, she doesn't have tact. She doesn't know what she's doing is sort of a social faux pas. So when she does it, she's just basically looking beyond that and she's generally concerned for her friend. And when they have that conversation in the truck where they're tired and they're moving on and she confronts him about it and then he confronts her about her own choices in her life and her sexuality, and that conversation that they have there that continues this story of of, of Rocky and uh, and Angie's relationship as friends is exactly what Boz said. It's fucking beautiful. Mm. And it's just so happened that it's wrapped around a movie about guys that rode, ride motorcycles and beat the hell out of each other <laughs> exactly. in night armor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> what my OCD made me see in this movie. So I did mention, look, there's a, a good serving of boobs in this movie, and I, I really, really love them. And, um, like, Julie, um, Julie is... And when this was released, this set me down a path that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that persists to this day. Redheads? 
redheads and boots. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's never got any better. <laughs> it's never got any better. But yeah. That, it, that that in itself was was great. The look, the actual bike work, the stunt work was re- pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm. You know, there's, there's a couple of dodgy moments, but realistically, you know, they're in close quarters. You know, they're doing a whole lot of stuff that could have been seriously dangerous for stuntmen, and they did really well. Right, some of the tumbles they take are. <laughs> you walked away from that. I mean, fair yeah. play to them. There must yeah. have been some injuries. I mean, it's, oh, they had it's they tough had to be. It's, yeah. But you know they didn't they didn't pull it back to the point where you're going oh that's just sad you know there was there was no CGI clashing or anything else like that where you go oh that was just lame there was actually you know some really good stuff working which I I really enjoyed. I mean, there are moments where it looks like the only way I can see they did it was actually literally to pull guys backwards off of bikes with a wire. Yeah, like they had to have a wire on to fly up like that. Yeah. Um, but but even then, even then, that's you know you're going flat out. Even doing thirty or forty k on a bike, they're getting yeah. yanked backwards. Exactly. It's about the whiplash. Um, yeah. I have to say, if you took it love hate, one of the things I I hate any film, and this is just a personal prejudice of mine. And America, you are to blame more than anywhere else. Um, <laughs> where people just jump on a fucking motorcycle and ride off without a helmet. Um, yes. I, I, I am a helmet law person. I grew up with it, I guess, um, because I just know what it's like to fall off a bike and how dangerous it is. And there are times mm. in this movie where they just don't wear lids. And I'm like, put a fucking helmet on. Or if you put a helmet on, do it up. Um, and also, don't wear open face helmets. Yeah, well, okay, you and I disagree there, but we'll talk about <laughs> it another time. Um, 30, 30, 32% of impacts to the head when you fall off a motorcycle happen in the chin bar area. If you wear an open face helmet, you could lose your lower jaw. I don't think it's worth the risk. That's all. I mean, it's a personal preference, but I love the helmets in that they are clearly motorcycle helmets covered in papier mache yes. and cardboard. <laughs> it's just, and they're huge because they're built on top of a motorcycle helmet, and I love them. <laughs> That's the bit that I wanted to sort of say. Now, look, we, you know, we both, we both ride, we both wear a helmet. If I had to wear a helmet that like just had like a couple of like ten mil slits in it to see. <laughs> I'd yes. be dead, man. I would yeah. be dead. <laughs> Let alone fight anyone, for crying yeah. out loud. I mean, I suppose you've got the advantage of their visor isn't going to steam up, which is hell for motorcyclists. Oh, but, God, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, just, just this tiny... Like, Billy's helmet is ridiculous. Yes. I would knock him out in five seconds with my helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a good, solid head button. <laughs> But, well, uh, yeah, but no, just I'd have such a visual advantage. I would just like move around a bit. He wouldn't see what was coming. I mean, uh, to see a sword blade coming at your face. Um, sorry, <laughs> I knew I was going to nerd out on this stuff. Yeah. But to ride with those <laughs> things on, to ride with those, that, that took some real guts. Uh, like, oh, look at that. Gun. Oh, feathers. And the feathers. Talk about wind resistance. <laughs> <laughs> All that, all that stuff was. Oh, look, it was, it was fun and kind of cool. But then, like I said, for a rider, it's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the opening jumping edit right at the very beginning it made Easy Rider look like it had an epileptic seizure. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, oh. See, the the jump cuts in this, uh, a lot of them are not good, not good at all. Um, drinking made them better. <laughs> drinking definitely made them better. But yeah, they some of some of the edit, um, the particulars of the jump cuts and and the, the riding scenes were not great, not really great. 
Um, you know what? There is there is a litany of, of tropes in this that you know my OCD made me tick off. Um, you know, uh, Daddy, you suck. He's a fat blob jerk. Um, the girl, girl grease monkey. Uh, let's see. Oh, of course, uh, Joe the sleazebag. Absolutely, that is just trope, tropey, trope, trope, trope. <laughs> Stephen King stuffing hoagies. Oh, <laughs> Stephen King's a pig. Um, <laughs> Most annoying character in the movie, bar none. Oh, the prerequisite motorcycle jump into the lake. Oh yes. Um, yeah, the any number of exploding crashes. Off camera exploding crashes, so you can reuse the bike yes. and pretend like it happened. Yeah, no, no, no. If you you drop yes. your bike in a meadow full of long grass, it explodes. Seriously, that fucking happens. Yeah. That that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You, you, I mean, you do have to like pull a fuel line and kick a plug and stuff like that. But sure, it happens. Um, <laughs> the, the the black guy, black man playing the blues on a harmonica, harmonica trope. Oh. Really? Come on, that was just like. Merlin was cool up until that point, and I went, oh, you just made him Scatman Crothers. I just wanted to insert it somewhere sideways by the end of this movie. I really did. Yeah. Brother Blue, the guy who plays Merlin in that, that actually is his shtick, where he would tell a story and play a harmonica like that, and yeah. they just incorporated it into the movie. So while it's a trope, it's also what that guy does. Yeah. For the record, I fucking hate harmonicas. <laughs> I don't care how well they're played. They're the most annoying. Like, give me bagpipes over harmonicas any day. I'm hulking out. I'm going to calm down. Let's move on. Sorry. There was something that, uh, at a very personal level, really fucking annoyed me. Uh, and, and every time I saw it, I just it, I couldn't get away from it. And it's the distractedly riding into oncoming traffic. <laughs> All I had in my mind was the toe cutter. The toe cutter from Mad Max just straight into the truck. <laughs> and it's just, I just couldn't unsee that because it was, it was right. It was so obvious. <laughs> One of the things that bugged me with the riding was they've set up this arena of sand or whatever the hell it is. It's a certain circumference. It's not particularly big. You get some speed up, you're going to have to do a whip hmm. U-turn at the end, right? Oh, the amount yeah. of times somebody's riding along for like a couple of seconds, they flip their visor open, they look over their shoulder to see who's behind them, they shut their visor and then look forward again. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're out of arena. You're in the fucking lake by now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they do that several times. <laughs> it's not big enough to pull that off. Oh, now, at, at um, hour two, at the 15-minute mark, worst fake crow shot ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I know I, what you I, mean. I put crows are actually way underrated for crash protection. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, oh, my God. Just, yes. <laughs> I just saw that went, oh, no. I was waiting for it to go, look at me, I'm a crow. <laughs> or, or at least to go, fuck, fuck. <laughs> There's a clip. Um... <laughs> Um, I, I love the dude whose job it is to basically launch himself at stray motorcycles so nobody in the crowd dies. Yes. That's like, that's the best marshalling job ever. Bike! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and a rodeo clown. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's essentially what they are. Instead of trying to attract the bull, they're just trying to protect the crowd from the bikes. Yeah, just dive in front of it and just go, yeah. I got a wheel. You'll see many clips of motorcycle racing. Bikes just fuck. They just fuck off on their own sometimes for like ages. Yeah. You're like, come back. 
I did like the method of attack that they had too, where they would try and judge where it was coming from and then try and just knock it on its side so it would skid mm. instead of trying to just full on take the impact mm. and stop it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It would have been amazing to see one of the guys hop on and actually get control of the bike, like for one of the stunts, mm. yeah. you know, and then whip it around, like to show how good these guys really are at what they do. Yeah. That would have been awesome, actually. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. The other, the other, other thing that really, really bothered me um, medieval dresses and bike chains do not mix. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, you cannot get on a motorbike and ride it with a long dress without it just getting chewed to fuck. And, uh... Which, are you reading my notes? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have a shaft drive motorcycle. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but even, even on a belt truck, even on a belt, um, it's the same thing. Yeah. You put anything fucking near that, it's chewed through. Yeah. Just fucking oh, no, no, no. A shaft drive's enclosed, but it could still get caught in the rear wheel. I no, see I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. if you've got anything, unless you're running with, you know, solid rears, which more power to you if you can, because they're not fucking cheap. <laughs> um, that's just going to get just swired up. Yeah. Could be some interesting results. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be more boobs. <laughs> that was another thing that I was wishing they would do where one of the girls' dresses while riding on the motorcycles would have gotten caught in the we would have had like a Benny Hill moment where it gets ripped off and she's trying to cover herself and then all of a sudden Yakety Sax goes crazy with them with them riding around and then all the all the guys start like you know cat calling and chasing her and the other guy on the bike uh, maybe that's in the outtakes who knows oh and of course Corrupt country cops. Mm. Really? Really? Why did that cop's car have so many snot rags on the roof? I couldn't work that out. Uh, he's just that filled with snot? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That looked to me like somebody forgot to remove them after doing something like makeup job or something between shots. Or they were around in the scene when either Patricia Tallman or the actress who plays the Queen Lynette, which I think is Amy Ingersoll, we're mm. running around topless. <sighs> yes. Woo! I mean, actually, my, my very first note on any of this was 32 seconds in. Boobs! Yep. <laughs> yep. Boobs less than a minute in. My exact notes. I'm sad enough to t- time it to the second, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was only one-handed, mate, so it was really hard to put the note. <laughs> I was a little more gentlemanly than both of you, which shocks even me. <laughs> and I wrote, there are some very fit bodies displayed nude and rocking it in this film. Mm. Oh. Look at you, and then later on it's just boobs, boobs, Right, right. But that's one of the, the very first thing that you notice is the film opens up with like nude Ed Harris looking amazing mm. and just mm. kind of sitting up and like showing you how fit he is. And then all of a sudden, the Lady Queen, which I think is the actress Amy Ingersoll, sits up and it's like, holy shit, she's like a fucking goddess the way that they shoot her mm. and the way that she's lit. I mean, it's just amazing. And I loved that opening scene, and the only problem I have with it is they kept cutting around all of this so super fast with all these weird jump cuts to trees and stuff like that yeah. that it, it gave me like a fucking seizure. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, you're making a movie about bikes, but it's not Easy Rider. Don't edit like that. Mm. Mm. So you know that that scene is actually like a direct ripoff of the um, the Lancelot and Guinevere scene from Excalibur, right? But this came out at the same time as Excalibur. <laughs> I know, that's the weird thing, but there's, there is literally a scene where it is absolutely identical. 
See, that's another film I love. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. Shouldn't go down that road. My final note, I would die happy if they put motorbikes in Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If John Borman did Excalibur on bikes like a motorbike gang. Oh, man, that would be so awesome. So <laughs> awesome. You got to keep the same outfit for Mordred, though. It has to be exactly the same, that really bright, gaudy gold outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As long as it's not fucking Guy Ritchie, oh. that's fine. Oh, I'm a Cockney geezer. I'm going that with Merlin and... Oh, fuck off, oh. honestly. <laughs> can't remember the last time... Well, I can't remember the last time because it's happened twice in two weeks. I fell asleep in the climax action scene of those movies. <laughs> I was so bored. Really? Yeah. That and Transformers. Anyway, Oh. I digress. Hulking out again, bringing it back down. Uh, yeah. Uh, Transformers bad. Um, early Guy Ritchie... You know what? I actually like Early Guy Early Ritchie. Guy Ritchie's fine. Just Guy Ritchie Giza movie Arthur does not work. I'm sorry. It's... Stop at Revolver with Guy Ritchie. Mm. Just stop at Revolver. Give Sherlock Holmes a chance. You may or may not like it if you're a Downey Jr. fan. I liked it. But just stop before Revolver. Don't watch Revolver. That's a terrible movie. Just stop there. And then yeah. <laughs> Revolver was awful. That was totally Madonna's totally influence. Okay. But we're not talking about Guy Ritchie's horrible films. No, no, no. We, we're, we're talking about this yeah. not horrible film. <laughs> we're talking about this deeply flawed and beautiful yes. film. You forgot your basics. Fuck that. <laughs> so that. That move that they're talking about is the equivalent of kicking out someone's kneecaps in a fucking martial arts tournament. Mm. That is not cricket. You do not wrap up the front wheel. No. That, that is not basics. That's an illegal move so that's just my thought on the matter yes. it's basically uh, an illegal move <laughs> he forgot yes. that her basics are illegal moves <laughs> i see what you did there yeah. well, yeah. win at all costs yeah. win at all costs but it isn't cricket it's like kicking someone in the nuts to win a fight i mean it's not it's desperation it's last last gasp it's not it's not honorable and you're talking knights and medieval and i just wouldn't do something like that so it's not fair wait 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 kicking someone in the nuts is not honorable what? in a fight no. Yeah. That's my opening move. <laughs> no, front, well, okay. <laughs> if it's life or death, grab, twist, and pull, my friend. But if it's a friendly competition with someone you know and like, oh. you don't kick them in the nuts. Oh. No, no. Yeah. I don't. I, I try not to get into friendly, like, physical <laughs> confrontations with people that I like. I try to save that kind of physical confrontations for people I dislike. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I like a good punch up as much as the next guy. But. You know, I, I don't tend to like you know punch my friends. Uh, you know, and if I do, it's in the nuts, and then I'm going to glass the fucker. Um, <laughs> awkward. Um, moving on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's top of the foot, testicles, eyeballs. If it, yeah, I mean, the Krav Maga yes. method, I go for completely. If it's a dark alleyway knife and wallet situation, fine. But yeah, just you know, if I'm sparring with my friend, <laughs> I'm not going to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> Yes. There are two things that we, we've not touched on. One, magically disappearing and reappearing dust clouds. Yep. Um, there, were, <laughs> there were quite a few of those in the motorbike scenes. They'd spin around and go, whoa, dust. No dust. Oh, more dust again. Um, and the silent Indian. Can we please talk about the silent Indian? <laughs> what the fuck? That's offensive. Native American. Native American. Sorry, I apologize to all of our Native American listeners and anyone that was uh, offended by my cultural insensitivity <laughs> by the American first persons. Um, but he is Australian. Lack of speech. Wow, that's hurtful. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I can resist that. No more alcohol for Buzz. Which, that was overly PC. You went you went completely in the opposite direction. <laughs> but it's a trope, so I'll accept Silent Indian. I was just giving you shit. Well, I mean, they, they did, you know, they really, 
they really pushed it up. You know, it, if he if he'd said hole, that really would have like tipped it off. It, it it was it was bad. Like it was. Yeah, he had the fucking feathers on his helmet, didn't he? I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, they really ramped it up. I was waiting for him to grab a hold of a fucking water fountain, smash it through a window that had a grate over top of it, and escape the asylum at any minute. Yeah. Or, or, or just stand there with a handful of cigars. Uh, you know, he does cast bones at one point, does he not? Yes, I think he does. Yeah. I think you're right, and I think they're <laughs> supposed to be like like crow and raven bones. Like it's it's yeah. it, as much as we can give this film credit for some sensitivity towards homosexuals and their plight, particularly in this time in the '80s. It goes completely in the opposite direction for the Native Americans with this silent Indian trope who casts bones and is pretty much like a very serious knockoff of Chief from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, <laughs> only wearing armor and riding a bike. I mean, he's pretty handy as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's good. He's, he's good in a fight, you know. He's good in a fight, but you know that was the bit where I went, "Oh, really? Was it needed?" You know, you they like I said they'd gone to all this this trouble of you know having some some after school special moments in it, um, and then they've gone, "Look, look, let us hold him up and go." He's different and special and enigmatic. Yes. <laughs> yes, but he's okay, folks. Um, it, uh, look, that that for me kind of ruined it. And then I went, can I have some more boobs, please? Patricia Tallman, speaking of boobs, Patricia Tallman looks amazing in this film, and she definitely has not learned to act yet, but she looks amazing in this film. Okay, I was going to mention the tight pink jumper, but... Um, I'll go right ahead then. No, no, just tight pink jumpers are apparently a thing for me now. That's all. No, they, they, were, they were always a thing for me. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> brawless ones, I'm guessing, because that seemed to be like no woman in this film wanted to really wear a bra. Ah, it's the hippie thing. Look, right. Look, I, I don't know about you, but there is a very special feeling of uh, a breast under a cashmere sweater. <laughs> um, mine feel fabulous. Moobs. Um, <laughs> I'll know someday. Boobs! <laughs> but, yeah, look, Patricia Tolman in this whole movie, this, this was a, a, a literally a pivotal, pivotal um, character for me as a young man. Are, are, she, you, are, uh, are you confessing well, to well, a first girl guy moment while watching this? Well, I, I, I can't say too much. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me just say that, it, as I said, it, it, it set me on a path. It set me on a path. If I'd been younger when I saw this, it would have been the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can totally see. Yeah, that. well, see, I was, I, I was younger when I saw this because I'm older than you two. Um, <laughs> but the only thing that sort of threw me was that that Billy just goes, "Go home, you're back to being a town skank now. Go home. <laughs> just, there you go. Fuck you. You're, go I'm back done. to your abusive father. You'll be reet." <laughs> It wasn't Billy who did that. It was uh, Billy's main knight, whoever. Uh, oh, Alan, right? Alan. Alan. Yeah, yeah. Alan. Yeah, Mr. Clean Cut. Alan, yeah. sorry, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you could yeah, tell, yeah. too, she was actually not... She wasn't mature and grown up enough to be able to handle this world and take it for face value. She was just getting kicks. There's a scene where she actually is like, are we going to do anything today? Are we going to go anywhere? While they're sitting in that beautiful cabin that belongs to Alan's brother, I think. Yeah. And it's like, why can't you just yeah. enjoy that beautiful river that you're sitting by right there and just take it all in and, and like nature? Why do you have to go into a town and do something? Or take it all off and enjoy nature. Right. Even better. You know, sunbathe <laughs> on the rock there like you would. Uh, but, mm, mm, mm. I mean... Alan and Julie's relationship was based on a pivotal moment that happened. It was just a few kicks for both of them, yeah. and it wasn't going to go anywhere, and she had nowhere else to go. 
but it, it is it's heartbreaking when he does drop her off there and you know she's going back to that abusive household yeah it's just yeah but that's also what Romero does. He likes to point out that this is real shit that happens and nobody deals with it and everybody just ignores it. That's one of the things that he does in a lot of his films. Hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I think the him getting rid of her is she's wearing a Walkman. She's lying by this beautiful river, like you say, and he looks down. She's listening to the modern music and she's like, are we going to go party or what? And he just starts laughing. And he's like, this this isn't what I want. This, You know, this isn't what I'm set out for. And that then makes a decision sort of to go back. And his mate does... Then the worst Marlon Brando impression. I actually, in my notes, was like, oh, 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 like after like a minute and a half of it, oh, that's what he's doing. <laughs> I thought he was just, I, was like, I thought he was having a brain aneurysm. It's like, uh, right, he's doing an impression. I understand. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Yes. So, this is the absolute worst Marlon Brando impersonation you have ever heard, Boz? It's up there. Mine will probably beat it, so it will be at least the second worst. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will do it someday because me and bad impressions, it's kind of my bread and butter. <laughs> oh, see, you know, I, I would counter with that. A, a bad Brando with an Australian accent kills everything. <laughs> that kills everything. <laughs> okay, I did want to mention, too, did, did you notice the leather crafts that are in there? Uh, Renfest, yes. Renfest leather crafts are pretty much when you kind of want to try bondage, but you don't want your friends to know that you want to try bondage. That's what they're there for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you you you, you want to get a ball gag with filigree, <laughs> so you know, like a Florida Lee, just kind of like uh, pressed into the leather, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something classy. Yeah. You know? it's, it's good. That's that's exactly. <laughs> they had a whole blacksmithy bit as well. I mean, thought, was, yeah, they're using metal weapons, which is pretty fucking fair play. You know, because they could have used wood. No, no, they're making full Macy's Morning Stars swords. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you do it, do it right. And you know, I mean. You know, balancing on a bike is is you know easy, particularly when you're throwing around a couple of kilos worth of hard <laughs> yes. steel. <laughs> that's that's just you know no problem at all. Now, I, look, I need to talk about Billy's um, Billy's inability to fucking knock. <laughs> <laughs> Billy just goes, goes. People are like on the job, they're doing stuff. Billy just storms in. That's just like seriously, Billy, fucking knock, man. You might be the king, but you're a bit of courtesy. It's good to be the it's king. Just, you don't have to knock. <sighs> I just put Billy's an asshole. Just seriously, fucking knock, man. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the the bit where they sort of go off and he's he meets his uh, it's like his marketing guy, isn't he? He's just like his publicity guy, and they end up mm. sleeping by the road. And he just they just wake up and he just gets on his bike and fucks off. And he's like, oh yeah, he just took your bike. It's like, uh, excuse me. That's like saying, uh, I can, can I just fuck your girlfriend quickly? Is that okay? Thanks. I'm just gonna go do that now. You know, just get on another man's bike and ride off, even if you are the king. He is the king, so he declared prima nocta on the fucking bike. Ah, so yeah, that, that'd be a deal breaker for me. And then when he nearly, because it's such a fucking tank of a hideous piece of shit of a bike. Sorry, I'm a bit judgmental about bikes. And then he nearly drops it as he pulls into the field. And it's clearly, a, it's a total faux pas. Because someone runs in because they think it's about to hit the deck. And they're like, oh, and they, they do it really cleverly with the edit. They go, oh, he's hurt. Which is why, no, he fucked up. He done nearly dropped the bike because he's riding a road bike with road tires on grass but that's funny <laughs> and but that thing was an ugly beast oh, it was really, really was. i'm not a fan of those roadmasters either guys so i totally i agree with you 
you know, if it's your thing, great, but oof, no way. That was Steve that you're talking about there, and he's sort of like their lawyer and caretaker and the guy that, that Steve, yeah. he's he's a true hippie and he digs what they are go where they're doing and he wants to support this counterculture movement. So mm. Mm. Well, he was very supportive. Yeah, yeah, Let uh, him take his bike <laughs> without killing him. Yeah. Yeah, like, I would have stabbed <laughs> exactly. You, you, you don't take another man's bike and, you know, you don't, you don't fuck another man's woman. Um, In that order, too, Billy, apparently. Billy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, damn, damn straight. And my wife would agree. Damn straight. <laughs> so, so would mine. It's just like, you know what? You, you can't get, you know, you can't have consent from a motorbike. At least if he's going to go your missus, she gets a chance to say no. Yeah. Um, Oh, that reminds me, the, um, the, the, the biker chick who fights with everybody, I didn't catch her name, um, the blonde hair. I, I love oh, that, yeah. that first one when she does a fucking awesome takeout of one of the other guys and then just takes her helmet off <laughs> and flicks her hair out and everyone's like, wow, it's a woman. That's <laughs> fucking Sheila. I think it was oh, Sheila, wasn't Sheila. it? That yeah, Sheila. She's metal. Yeah, Sheila. I like her. Yeah. I just say, she just reminds yeah. me of my missus because she'd totally be in there just fucking <laughs> decking people. <laughs> And they hint at Sheila actually being a lesbian as well. They hint at it. They kind of say it. And they say that nobody fucks with her because she's badass. And then she says, no, nobody fucks with me because I'm proud of who I am and I don't care. And because I kick ass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Great character. But it, 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 that was never sort of pushed any further than that. Mm. Morgan really loves his motorcycle night play, Rough and Dangerous. You guys kind of hinted at it. They've been making weapons mm. that are like the axes are rubber. The heads of the axes are rubber. The swords are metal, but they're probably not like a heavy steel or anything like mm. that. And blunt when they're doing the metal work. Oh. Right. And Alan even says it to Morgan where he's like, look, you have actual armor. Some of us are out here in tinfoil and it's just yep. costume dress, mm. you know. And so Morgan using this mace is a big deal <laughs> yes. because it's it should not be. He's using an actual fucking mace. Him and his guys are escalating because they can't get the thrill. There's a very serious BDSM thing going on with these guys where they're trying to get after the pain, and particularly with Billy. Mm. Billy's like, oh, you want to punish somebody with that thing, Morgan? You bring that big thing my way and hit me with it. Yes. It gets really like homoerotic and very BDSM all at the same time with this beating on bikes what these guys are doing. See, uh, see I took it the other way that it was more more testosterone pissing content. <laughs> you know, I... Uh, well, you know, I'm tougher than you because I can swing a real, real weapon, and you know, I can fight with it, and I can kick your ass. So, you know, I'm the, I'm the big dog uh, because I've got the sharpest teeth and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, sure, you know, Cenobite away, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just sort of took it that a lot of the stuff that they're doing, you know, the lances are real. There's a real opportunity to get get hurt but they're very good at not doing it until obviously you know Savini comes in with his mace and goes yeah that's gonna stove your chest in <laughs> um but he's willing he's willing to do it just to see if anyone's tough enough to go against him yeah you see he's kind of the hero of this movie for me because <laughs> he's supposed to be the bad guy right i mean isn't, isn't he supposed to be like the exact opposite of the ideals of king billy but it, it feels that way right king billy's supposed to be the guy that we're supposed to be like yes he's right he's got everything this is his destiny and then morgan comes along and fucks that all over but you see tom savini well okay it's tom savini and the character he plays but he's so likable even when he's being a bit of a dick you still like him the problem with ed harris is is he's like, well, you know, he comes into conversations like, I'm the king of this place and I've been doing this for a lot of years. So you die, won't do what I have to say. All right, calm down. <laughs> he's like, he has a moment of quiet and then he goes from zero to 150. <laughs> and like, if he's been doing that for years, whereas Morgan could just sort of 
talk normally and be a dick in his conversation and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. But he'll say it normally instead of shouting at people. So, like... So, can you can you really respect Morgan when his armour is made of silver foam? <laughs> <laughs> that's a deal breaker. <laughs> Um, you know, I love that. That's the that's the Hollywood's answer to their armor. It looks so much more cheap yeah. and fake, and it's just this horse shit. Yeah. And it's like that's we're supposed to believe that that's going to protect them. It's sprayed, what is it made out of Kevlar. It's sprayed foam pipe lagging, and that's what's on the bikes as well. <laughs> it looks terrible. Yeah, I, I saw that and go, oh man, I, I so wanted like someone to just clip it and just see it just rip and just. I, I would love to hear the like the inner monologues of all of the stunt riders that first shot when the new bikes come up the road in formation and it's da 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 look at the new bikes blah 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 and all the guys on the stunt team are just going to themselves ah oh, there's fucking aerodynamics on this is unbelievable I can't control it <laughs> it's like driving a brick wall oh yeah I'm looking at that going you get that up and going yeah you're just slamming against the wall yes. I mean, the fuel economy would have been just oh, ridiculous. Yeah. It just would have been just chilling. I actually have a note. So when they show down at the end, is like, I, I still prefer the look of the older bikes with the shields over the handlebars. Mm. I love that design. It's brilliant. It's perfect. Uh, didn't need changing. Mm. It's almost like they wanted to show that the Hollywood version of this is going to be glitz, glitter, and horse shit. And yeah. that they, yeah. like, like that it's not the real stuff. It's just a usurper to the throne, like what Morgan is supposed to be. But at the same time, Morgan ends up becoming better and becoming the hero because he's willing to be flexible enough to keep the world going, which Billy is completely not. Billy would rather watch their world burn down than to than to actually change the way that they handle things. No compromises. There's a bit with Morgan in that it's the grass looks greener. So he goes there and he's like, oh, look at the luxury, blah, blah, blah. The girl, the swimming pool. And then like, oh, she's got a partner. Fuck. And he shows he's a bit honorable there because he sort of backs off. You're with someone else. I'm not going there. <clears throat> but then he gets back to the hotel room and the guys are just beating the shit out of each other and trashing it for no apparent reason. And what I read into that was they're missing the combat. They're missing the, the, the fight of it. They, they, this, this doesn't work for them. They, they, they want to be out there with their clan regularly having these sorties instead yeah, they're warriors yeah they're warriors they're not they're not there to you know to, to play or to they're not there to be idle right you know the women and everything else that's a great distraction but ultimately they want to get back and fight yeah that's all they know and that's all they so that actually leads me into one thing i i wish it was that easy to get out of a contract <laughs> <laughs> you, you can just just tear it up and go oh we're free yeah but yeah, and just go, oh, I'm just going to go back to what I did before. That'd yeah. be awesome. But I'm keeping yeah. your iPhone computer company car. Yeah. <laughs> company, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm torn up your contract, so uh, <laughs> I'm all done. Thanks very much. What can this Hollywood guy take from them other than the shit that he actually gave to them? What do they have that's worthwhile, you know? Mm. I mean, well. that they couldn't easily get back in their society. And he only signed a contract with a handful of people. And so what can he take from them when they left almost everything behind to go be with him anyway? Yeah, yeah but I was, it's just, you know, I mean, he could have sued him for loss of revenue. Um, <laughs> they could have ended up in debtor's prison. Uh, yeah, so apparently Grand Theft Cycle is worse than Grand Theft Auto, according to Agent Orange, as I've labelled him. Because so. <laughs> he's a bit of a dick, too. That guy plays the the sleazy agent, the sleazy friend, the sleazy everything in every part that he plays. Yeah. <laughs> He's just he, labelled a dick 
He's like that in a couple of Romero films, too. I think he was in um, There's Always Vanilla, which is sort of a lost Romero film that should remain lost. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. And he plays that exact same guy where he's like an ad exec kind of guy who is super sleazy and kind of gets a little greasy all over the main actress in that. Now, I, I, I want to talk about giving weapons to children. It's not okay. <laughs> All right, it's not okay. Unless it's a gun and it's America, then it's totally fine. Oh, you <laughs> fucking lunatics. Um, I resemble that. Yeah. <laughs> Here, kid, have, have, uh, you know, have a good couple of kilos of hard steel. It'll be great <laughs> in the middle. Because, you know, the next thing the kid's going to do is just start swinging it around. Well, I mean, to be fair, he might not be able to lift it. I mean, there's, there's that aspect. He did look like he was about to topple over whenever Billy handed that over to him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, don't get me wrong. I'm all for arming small children just for fun. But, you know, really, they should start with ranged weapons. A bow, something, you know, something easy. Ninja stars, not not a sword. (laughs) I'd like to take us back, if I may, to the bit where it's like the second big fight in the movie where basically they get, like, fucking biker patch gangs coming in, and then they get a group of local wanna-have-a-go wanna heroes, which I suppose would happen, and they've made their own bikes and helmets, and the helmets are brilliant, because I went, oh, look, it's the knights who say, meow. <laughs> and then they get to beat the shit out of them and th- this is where um, our good lady biker friend does the front wheel thing and takes two of them out at once I think and they go over the handlebars and I'm like yes see that's where going back to basics is acceptable no other time yes <laughs> that's how you do it <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that fight it was brilliant I think she had to do it in the initial thing because she had to protect the king because if Morgan made Billy submit or whatever you want to call it where he you know yields to him, mm. then Morgan becomes the king. So it was desperate times for desperate measures because at that time, who wants Morgan to be a king? He hadn't grown yet. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly but, it. But, you know, thus making Morgan the hero because it's his journey from, you know, he's, he's the Judas character um, at the beginning, yeah, but no, he totally. sort of... At the end, he's more the prodigal son. He comes back. He's welcomed back into the fold. And I love the last fight because it's it is so it's so heartfelt and warm. And you know we're going to do this, and there's no rules. And they're all smiling at each other. And Billy's so happy this is happening. This honourable fight, and with no audience around, it's all just for them. Yeah, exactly. No crowds. No no publicity. Nothing like that. Like there's a bit where two bikes go out of the arena. One slams into a car, the other one wheels back round, picks up the fallen guy, brings him back into the arena so he can take a seat at the side. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Um, So it's still a tense battle and everything, but no one's trying to kill or hurt anybody else. And you're still invested as a viewer. Um, So I'm rooting for Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we talked a lot about these battles, but there's something that, as two bikers that I'm working with here, and I'm not one, I just grew up around them. We haven't mentioned it yet, and I'm kind of remiss that we haven't. Uh, side hacking. It's a lost motorcycle art that should never, ever be resurrected. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. You're going to defend side hacking. All right, so so as a, as a kid, one of one of my fondest memories was actually going out and watching sidecar racing with, uh, with my dad. Cool. 
and sidecar racing is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely awesome. You know, those guys, like the, the guy in the sidecar, he's nine out of ten does practically like running his face along the fucking <laughs> yes. dirt at, at, at like 80 plus k's an hour, just going flat. It is really, really I mean, cool. the guys who do it here on the Isle of Man, they are, I mean, anybody who road races at the Isle of Man is, is a fucking god in my eyes because I've. I've driven a van around that course <laughs> and I'm like yeah. uh, there are parts of it I'm like I know for a fact they do 180 miles an hour here like I would be fucking terrified a sidecar like yes they're virtually scraping their face along like dry stone walls along the side of the road lamp posts it's just like they are just amazing yeah that that's just some dead set fucking legendary yeah. stuff it is Okay, so the side hacker is there to only provide counterweight, right? That's what he does. Yeah. So that they can take those faster turns. Essentially, yeah. And so they have to shift themselves at the right moment to provide the right uh, centripetal force, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you. Okay. <laughs> but in this case, they're sort of. It's their chariot as well because they're the main dude, aren't they? The, yeah. The side hacker is the warrior with the weapon. So he's got two jobs. He's got to fight and keep the bike upright. Because mm. if you don't hang off when you go around a counter corner, the whole thing's going to flip. All right, so since I'm not a biker, I'm going to have to retract my former statement about side hackers, and I apologize to all side hackers everywhere. I had no idea how difficult your job was. I mean, if you watch the ones now, the super sport sidecar races, they have, like, when we ride motorcycles, we have knee sliders because you can get a higher corner speed if you lean off the bike into a corner, um, yep. and your knee may touch the floor and it hurts, so they put a big bit of plastic on your knee. <laughs> the sidecar riders have a plastic ass. Because they hang, <laughs> they hang their butts right off the end. <laughs> yeah, from, from from almost kidney to knee, all the way down. It's fucking, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely awesome. See, now I want to see a Mad Max movie with side hacking, crazy <laughs> traces with like uh, polecats. You know, like we got in the last oh. Mad Max Fury Road and all that shit. I want to see some side hacking going on where these guys are in like bondage gear that's all set up and they're the side hacker and this is how they get their kicks, now, you know? Now, speaking of polecats, um, Sir Alan had a pretty limp looking lance. <laughs> yeah, More he, ways than he, one. he was not looking great. I, did, I saw that and went, oh. It's more like a hold up than a stick up. <laughs> I feel bad for Julie. Well, I, I have a I have a Lance time code for you. Oh, go right oh, ahead. Oh, good. Yeah, thirty six forty. Uh, the the line I loved. She's got plenty to hang on your lads. <laughs> Boom! Giggity, 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 giggity. <laughs> oh dear. But talk, talking about the motorcycling, um, like any film that has motorcycles in. Uh, I generally have a problem with Mission Impossible 2, any of the Fast and Furious movies. It's because it's just bullshit. Like, you go from road to off-road, and that wouldn't happen. And there's a few moments a bit like that, but in a movie like this, I would expect to have a huge problem with the stuff they supposedly do on a motorcycle. And at no point, really, was my OCD triggered in that regard. I, I think, considering how much motorcycle play there is... Um, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the chase off down the road, whatever. Yeah, eh. road tires off road. You're not going to pull that off. But it's not massively implausible. I mean, and you can go, look, you can take road tires off road for a short distance. You are taking your life in your hands. Hmm. Uh, and there's a good chance that you are going to drop it. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's there was nothing outside of the realm of possibility 
No, because they're amazing riders, aren't they? So you're like, you, they're not me. They would pull that off. I mean, I once ditched a bike in front of about 150 other bikers all in a circle facing effectively <laughs> me <laughs> because I was showing off for a girl. I said, when I come back, there was a little dip between these two fields. I said, I'm going to jump that. But I had a fucking CB1400 with road tires. <laughs> so I came in and I gave it, I had a race exhaust as well. I gave it all rim, rim, rim. And I got about a foot of air, which is really nice. Yeah. But you can't get air and then land on grass with road tires and expect to stay fucking upright. Yeah. So I tumbled through this field oh. with drinks flying out of my backpack left and right. And when I stood up, I just took a bow and everyone just slow clapped me. <laughs> And then a year later, another rally, I sort of mentioned something, and they went, that was you! <laughs> oh, God! Yes, you're that idiot. Well done! Yep. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> the Doctor and King Billy have this really serious philosophical talk about how magic can exist, and there is such a thing as destiny, and they really start getting heavy into this stuff while the Doctor's stitching them up. And then all of a sudden, the Doctor just busts into a story of King Arthur, and then it stops and it leads to nowhere and it teaches us nothing. And that whole entire scene could have been excised out of the film and he could have just shown him like stitching him up in silence. It just, that whole thing, I'm like, dude, bad choice. <laughs> and is it me or was that injury like played up so much? Like it was made out to be so much worse than it actually was. It should have been on his throat or something to be that serious, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, get up, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> just get on with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just like, yeah, it was a, it was a pinch. It wasn't even really like a deep gash or just like really, you know, it wasn't like he was squirting blood or anything. It, was, it wasn't yeah. an abdominal wound. Yeah, that's right. He didn't like hack into tendons or anything else. Like his head was sort of hanging off sideways. It was, yeah. <laughs> you guys both have to remember, though, this is Americans we're talking about here, not Australians, so they're not as tough. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Not everything here is trying to kill us. We just want to kill each other with our guns. <laughs> no, you're only really trying to kill each other. That's a whole different thing. I have another problem here. At the beginning of the movie, Morgan is totally an attention whore, and he's dying to get at everything that Billy is dreading and disgusted by. It's not so much that their viewpoints are... like Morgan's stuff isn't so much like looking to try and make things better for everybody. He's just loving this adoration. He wants to be a fucking rock star, and he that's what he yeah. wants. Mm. And it's not until... Yeah. Like, he finds a middle ground. If Billy were to be the one to find the middle ground and grow from this, he would have been the hero. And that shift is what really, like, I never really thought of it until I started talking to you guys this way. And I, Boz was on Morgan, like, Team Morgan. I'm Team Billy the whole way. I'm, like, idealist to a fault, righteous self-indignation, all of that horse shit that he goes through. And I'm like, you fuckers, this is his thing. He started it. He's your goddamn king, and you won't follow what he says. And then now I'm talking with you guys about it and it turns around completely on me. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, no, if he would have just compromised, but that's, a th it's this unwillingness to compromise that de nearly destroys everything, but definitely mm. destroys him. It takes him away. You yeah. see, there's one line I have here that makes Morgan unassailable in this movie for me. And that's him in his speedos at the, at the house near the swimming pool uh, with a nice lady. And I'm like, yep, Savini is actually a sex machine. <laughs> I do love when he's in Sorry. the pool and he hops up and he goes, give me dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, that's a reasonable request for a man sitting in a pool in a Speedo. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that much hair on his chest. Whoa, manly man. <laughs> the, the one other thing, that there's, 
this is it's a biker movie kind of and there are certain elements that make it that and the one I really identify with is the one bit where just Billy just gets annoyed gets on his bike and just fucks off <laughs> and this is the truth of all bikers because when everything is total shitballs all you want to do is get on two wheels go out and get your head straight and there's like they say that bikers don't use antidepressants because it's got two wheels and petrol in the garage. Um, because that is what you do. You just go out and you clear your head and you just thrash it for a while. And that's exactly what he does. Um, and it really helps sort the brain out. And my, my only other note is unless you live where I do. Because <laughs> I have to ride 40 fucking minutes to get out of town and away from the stress of other assholes on the road. And by the time I reach country roads, I'm ready to kill someone else. Yes. But uh, enough about my problems. Yeah. See, this, this, see I was just going to say, that's great if you're not a metro rider and I'm a metro rider. So, you know, <laughs> but... It, look, it's 100% true, you know, riding culture is one of those things. And it doesn't matter what you ride, um, you know, no. the fact that you get out, you ride, you, you know, you clear your head, you get it done. Um, having said that, antidepressants help for the time in between being on a bike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're not on the bike, they, 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 they help just stop you stabbing someone in the face. Um, but that, you know, the, the whole... Um, subculture thing and everything really, uh, as a writer, calls out to you because it's it's there about saying you know while they're counterculture, they're not all you know crazy hoodlum bikers um, you know trying to kill everybody and and you know this is this is their life and this is their bike and their ability to get out is all about who they are um, and the fact mm. that they've tied it back to the Arthurian legend just um, just adds to that sort of mythos you know if if it was any if it was in a different century this would have been a western yeah. essentially um it, yeah it, it, it could be exactly the same except they've been on horses i mean just talking about the end of it with billy is he's his character is a very interesting character and at the end i was like but why do you have to leave and i was thinking about it yes morgan wins he becomes king but he's such an important character to those people and he's so key to everything that's there if he stuck around, like, Morgan could never run things. Like, he would never be able to. No. Billy had to leave. Mm. Um, his choices after leaving are a little bit suspect. The cop had it coming. Sure. And, you know, if you really want to shame a cop, just fill the back of his head with ice cream. That'll show him. Um, <laughs> I have a big problem with that as well, I think. And then he locks him in the freezer to do the imprisonment shit. Yeah. Mm. I, I love the part where he kicks the shit out of him in front of everybody, but I think it should have gone farther. Yeah. I think he should have crippled the fucker like they did to his friend, practically. Mm. Yeah. It was a bit too twee, wasn't it? It looked like a dancer. Yeah. It looked like the fights in the Warriors when they're like, I'm going to throw a, another dancer at you. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the, his end moment, which is just like imagining he's riding an actual horse. I'm like, well... Billy, why didn't you just go off and, like, get some horses and run a stable or open a motorcycle training school? You know, something like that. You don't have to stick your bike under a truck. And, by the way, George Romero, we expect certain things from you. If someone gets hit by a fucking truck, I expect to see someone hit by a fucking truck. What was all this bits of metal and no blood bollocks? I wanted to see a complete human body explosion. I, you know. Yes. <laughs> You know, uh, and I, I point you back to the toe cutter at the end of Mad Max. Yeah, yes. You get to see the truck over the top, just ripping it to shreds and going through. So, 
the, the more we talk about, you know, the no compromise and everything else, um, I, I know neither of you are real comic book nerds, but if you've ever read or seen The Watchmen, um, yes. King Billy ties directly back to Rorschach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? He was the original. Oh, yes, yes. You know, good good you know, comparison. He, he was the one, you know, uh, and no compromise. No compromise in the face of anything. Mm. You stick to your guns, you go to your beliefs, and you get it done. And everyone's sort of saying, no, you know, come on and join us. And he just went, no, there was only one way it was ever going to end, right? Billy... Billy was going to die. Mm. That was that was the only way he, and that was the only exit he saw out of that whole movie. True, you knew it was building up to something the first time you watch it. Yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. Now, I think it actually starts the Billy's end, and when Billy actually dies is not when he's physically dead. He dies inside no. in that festival after he has that huge meltdown, yelling at everybody about you can't have a council meeting without everybody here, and mm. they're not following his rules or the rules that they establish as a group. They're all just kind of coming apart at the seams. And the festival that happens after that meltdown, where you see this close-knit subculture completely implode, it breaks my heart to watch it as a viewer, and that is where Billy dies. When he sees it fall apart like that, he is dead inside, and there's no coming back from that from that for him yeah and so yeah it, he, he was the catalyst for, for that yeah downfall. it's when he dies like that i know it's it's over the top the way they present it where you see all this horrible like cliched shit where like the people stop playing the right kind of music and they just put on disco and leave and everybody's doing their immature thing to get back at billy for being a dick to them but mm. when it actually comes to a head and everything collapses and especially that scene where he talks with rocky and he's like i think it was not rocky but uh pip it's pip i've been saying rocky the entire time like a dumbass but when he's talking with pip where he's like are you leaving too you know and he's like no i wouldn't i wouldn't do that billy and he gets back up there and he does the speech and stuff like i'm just I'm destroyed. Like at that point, because he's, that's like his last, like, you know, really hopeful follower that's going to kind of stick with him on this. And, and so that journey that Billy has leading up to his final death is him tying up the loose ends because he's already dead inside and there's certain things that he needs to atone for. And this is like his afterlife at that point. So once Morgan takes over and he knows his society is going to be taken care of because Morgan has grown, he moves on. And yeah, he fucks off with the bike. He's being followed by our silent Native American character because that's supposed to be the witness that's going to be the guy who doesn't tell his tale by not talking but maybe he'll write it down or do an interpretive dance sorry right he, he could totally do an interpretive dance with feathers wow, you're not that, that's guys. racist that's racist <laughs> <laughs> but how is that racist <laughs> that's just drama school stuff <laughs> Hey, if he's sure. wearing if he's wearing armor and riding on the bike, chances are he knows how to do interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> but when he gets to that point, right? He he needs to he said he's going to come back and get that cop. As much of a downer as this is and how like disappointing all this shit is that he does at the end here, the idea behind it, like what it's supposed to represent, this is Billy atoning for every mistake he's made in his vanity and his pride before he ends his life because this is the only route that he has left he cannot live in the real world anymore he would not be able to function on a horse ranch or being anybody like that or, or like a motorcycle school leader or anything like that he can't function like that mm. he has to he has to die he's not he can't be a part of this arthurian world that he created and the real world that's outside of this subculture doesn't want him either and he can't exist there so he he's done. He needs to go. That's yeah. why he makes that there, choice. There is nothing left for him. Absolutely. He, yeah. From his perspective, his story is finished. Mm. It's sad. Yeah. Well, oh, it's sad. It's not necessarily sad because he it's 
For Billy, this is a happy ending. His work is finished. He's created this subculture where these people can live outside of the world, but it's not going to be up to his ideals, and he is no longer a part of it, so he can move on. Hmm. He's left he's left this this fake world of his and he will not he will not compromise with the real world that's outside of it and so he moves on to the other world where he can be who he wants to be which is his death you know because he does believe in an afterlife and that's what he's moving on to it's not suicide it's not despair it's hmm. him saying my work is done here and this is his final battle yeah it's transitioning into the realm of legend yes right. yeah yeah his face is contentment as it happens isn't it so he's you know it's not he doesn't look upset or anything like that, so he's smiling. Oh yeah, he, he's completely at peace with himself. But that bike he's riding, I think it's a fourteen hundred. That engine, with it's a six-cylinder fourteen hundred bike. Jesus Christ, it's insane. It's a monster. Yeah, I looked yeah, it's it up. A monster. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It probably went like sixty miles an hour, but then I suppose in America that's all you need, isn't it? So. <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> they don't let you go any faster, do they? Not legally, but that doesn't mean you obey it. <laughs> but apparently you can ride without a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we want to keep it at 60, so that it's easier to find all the pieces of brain when they're done crashing. <laughs> oh, oh. But of course, hey, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe he's such a special character that when he hits the truck, because all we see is metal parts, armor, and helmet, and no blood, he transubstantiated when the truck hit him. He's like the race. And he becomes all of the people. Yes. He's the race. The race. <laughs> No, he transubstantiates, and the spirit of Billy inhabits all of the people that are left over in the Night Riders. It's a beautiful ending. Excellent. Oh. Or he just becomes the voice of the car, which came out about a year later. <laughs> oh God! Sorry. That's all right. It's that one. Three times you shall knock before you leave. Five is too many, two is too few. Three times thou shalt knock before thou shalt leave. All right, so we have our question time for the knock three times before you leave. I thought they were statements rather than questions. Well, mine is... It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the last thing that you need to say before you can move on. So it could be a question that you need to have answered that you couldn't quite answer yourself or a statement that you need to make that will summarize your feelings about the film and, and all in all, I think. Okay. It's the first time we've done this section, so I just wanted to right. see where... Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've done. <clears throat> okay. Where do they? Where were they storing all the, all the fuel? All right. That's the thing that... Re- <laughs> where were they storing all the fuel? Uh, Tux belly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there are a okay. few cans so, kicking around. Well, yeah, not that many. Not enough. I think oh, the I mechanics had a special truck. It wasn't necessarily a fuel truck, but they might have had, like, the mechanic, uh, what was her name? Angie. She had her own truck that she was driving, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that she was probably hauling the gas and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so just, I never saw anybody refuel. It's like you never see anybody go to the toilet. Well, uh, they, they definitely had Castrol GTX. Product placement! Yes. <laughs> at least at least they didn't have tanks half filled with cash. Am I right, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't start on that. <laughs> <It's> bullshit. <laughs> um there was a statement where someone said Billy is fighting the dragon. I was curious to whether that was the same as riding the, the pale horse. I'm not sure what riding the pale horse is, but the dragon in this case is normal everyday established life. He's fighting against that. Okay, so um, the bale horse, white horse, heroin, 
<laughs> no, he wasn't trying to catch the dragon. He was trying to fight the dragon off. So he's fighting <laughs> against the heroine. Right. I just, I just wanted to make sure because, you know, there, there was a couple of moments with Ed where I went, yeah, Ed can be on the key. Um, <laughs> Particularly his overacting, right? <laughs> and um, I just want to tell our listeners, uh, having sex on the floor is never a good idea. All right? It looks <laughs> like fun. And there was a there were boobs and floor sex in this movie. Sex on the floor is never a good idea. Or in the bushes. Anything could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything could quite literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Particularly in Australia. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're against outdoor sex. Yeah, I mean, I was all smug about the Australian thing and how safe we are, and then I found a fucking scorpion in our house in Spain last week, so that was a bit. That was awesome! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the size of a 50 pence piece, if anyone knows how big that is, but it was still a fucking scorpion! It was yeah, dead, so that was the, in okay. the go. Yeah, that's no fun. Did you fry it up and eat it? No. In fact, we left it. I just, we just left the room. We didn't go back. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't uh, dead. It's just shedding its shell. It'll be back. It'll yeah. be bigger. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's just just leaving that as a reminder to go. Don't fucking come back. This is my room, bitch. It's all this mine. Um, uh, yeah, so my first one. Uh, this movie is way too long and ponderous. Um, the edit, I don't know what happened in the edit, but it, it could have been trimmed quite a bit, I feel. Um, but apparently the first cut was 17 hours long. So, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take two and a half hours, whatever it was. Um, That's my first note as well, or my first question is, what possible reason is there for this film to be two and a half hours long? He could have easily made it to one and a half, like one and 15 minute hour minute movies. Yeah. Like one hour, 15 minute movies. That's all. He could have made it two yeah. movies for as much as you get in this film. Absolutely. Um, so my, my point off the back of that is if someone gave me a few million, I'll happily remake this movie with modern day sensibilities. <laughs> Incorporating a lot of things we've mentioned already. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of potential in this film. I totally agree with you there. It does not need to be two and a half hours. It could no. very easily be like a six-episode uh, streaming series that could probably get the whole nostalgia crew going and everything with like glow and the love for Stranger Things in the 80s. Yeah. See where people oh, yeah. could probably get into this. But you keep it short. You keep it at six episodes and you spend a lot of money on it. You could do a really cool thing wrapped around this sort of anachronistic King Arthurian legend thing, but you mm. got to keep it as far away from Guy Ritchie as possible. Yeah. Yes. I'll yeah. do it. Seriously. We all agree on that. Give me the money. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll make it all with KTMs. They can sponsor us. Lovely. Brilliant. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so my, my second one uh, patch gangs will always fuck up your day. <laughs> so yes. buy a sports bike and laugh at them as they become tiny specks in your mirrors as you accelerate. Mm. Acceleration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy. I was raised around some patch gangs. <laughs> but you're right, they do mess up your day. But they make great babysitters. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm talking in movie world, so <laughs> oh, right, 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 I've met some very nice patch riders in my life and some yeah, absolutely. really but not yeah. very nice ones. But in in movies, they're always the not not very nice one. Yeah, you always exactly. see the one percent that they always talk about. The one percent of the patch riders are always what they get put into movies. You never see the guys that are actually out there doing something good mm. with their time yeah. on the bikes. Absolutely, yeah, the, you yeah. know the, the guys that donate to charity and all that sort of stuff. And 
So you never see, and this is something, um, it's a particularly, it's a Victorian thing, is um, there's a, a patch gang, and a, I say gang in a very uh, euphemistic way, um, called the U- Ulysses Gang. And they're all like over 60. <laughs> uh, so they're just all these old guys with like giant beards just riding their bikes, and they are the nicest blokes in the world. They really, really are. Well, where I used to live up north in Stoke-on-Trent in England, uh, twice a year they have a uh, a toy run in summer um, and a pet food run. Oh, no, there's three, actually. Pet food run in autumn and then a Christmas run uh, where they, again, do toys. And uh, you just see people dressed up as Santa Claus, whatever, and you drive down the streets as a huge pack, like a couple of thousand bikes, and people just come out of the houses. You pull up alongside with your panniers open, and they put toys or pet food or whatever the run is for in there, and you see these patched guys in groups doing that as well, and it's it's fantastic. All bikers, all different types of bikes. So I'm not being exclusionist. I just, I do... I do have a thing with Harleys and choppers in that they do look totally badass, but like if if you wanted to get away from one on my bike, it would be like a small blip. <laughs> so, and I can go around a fucking corner without grounding everything into the floor. So yeah, <laughs> Harleys are more of a cultural thing. They're not about the function. They're about the no, look. They're about exactly. the freedom of riding. And yeah, totally. It's style. Well, I, 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 it is. It's style over substance because really, if you're buying a Harley, you've got too much fucking money. <laughs> I have yeah. a friend who calls them hardly rideables. <laughs> oh, hey, just hey, upset no, some people. <laughs> you, yeah, you guys, no, you, that, you, that's a triumph, mate. That's a triumph. They spend <laughs> half their time in the shop. Okay, okay, you guys are knocking on some American-made products here. <laughs> and as my current, as my current fake president would make me do it, I have to defend it. This is an outrage by American all the time. We make the best bikes. The finest bikes. Ask anyone. You believe me? Oh, that's though. That's brilliant. That's perfect because I saw a news item today that said Ducati are looking at buying Harley Davidson, <laughs> and they're an Italian company. <laughs> Considering what this film is about, ultimately, forget that. Uh, bring it back down to medieval weapons, motorcycles. I would do this all fucking day long if somebody would pay me. In fact, I'm considering starting a troop in the Surrey area. If anybody's interested in joining me, we will make lances and armor and buy shitty old motorbikes and run at each other. I think it's a genius idea. So you need to talk to a group called HEMA, H-E-M-A, which is this historical... Historical European martial arts. Yeah. Um, Yes, you know that one, one of the guys I work with is the Australian president for HEMA. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did. I went to one of their classes and did some drills with old styly sword stuff, but there were yeah. no motorbikes. No. Well, yeah, he's the guy <laughs> that I know. He's also a motorbike rider. Um, so, yeah, he's the, but he's the Australian president for him. Okay. This is proof, Boz, why you're my bromance, because this is my next, this is my question. This is my final closer question. Would you be into this if it were a real Renfest thing that came to your town? And my answer is so fucking yes. Oh, yes. Clearly yes. after what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Who would not love this even in this day and age? Guys on motorbikes doing anachronistic night, like knight in shining armor, lance battles and stuff. That's amazing. Fuck yeah. yeah. Totally. Given half the chance. <laughs> that or paint, paintball, if you wanted to bring it up to date, I'd be up for either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chain gun, paintball gun on the front of my bike would look wicked. See, that's why you need hacks. <laughs> you get someone to ride, you hack out the side. I mean, I mean. 
Sold. <laughs> Once again, I need to apologize to side hackers everywhere. I had no idea how difficult and wonderful of a sport that is. I apologize. I'm only basing my theories on the side hackers movie that was on MST3K. Okay. okay. <laughs> I totally apologize. You guys have turned me around and proven me wrong once again. That's all right. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Just to prove each other wrong. <laughs> and obsess over whether or not we actually did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I won. I won. My dick's bigger. <laughs> I proved a point step-by-step step scientifically, so therefore my penis is long. Ah, but I pissed out the window. I managed to not hulk out totally, so I... Yeah, anyway, <laughs> I'm going there. I give it 25 she can hang a lot on your lances. <laughs> um, I will give it then 22 <laughs> wobbly in the bush boobs. <clears throat> oh, nice. Somehow that's a higher rating than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it's 44 if you think about it, because it's two per set. Uh, there you go. You're giving it 44 individual wobbly boobs in a bush. Yes. <laughs> and I will give it 33 silver foam and glitter bike guards. Which is the lowest rating out of all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, I'd like to thank everybody for giving our obsessive cinema discourse another shot with this second episode thank you so much for downloading and listening like to thank my man crush from down under the witch for joining me on this episode thank you sir it was a genuine pleasure as always and now i can cross this off my list and also thank my recultrescent hulk and bromance boz from overseas sorry it's such a mouthful that isn't it so um just in the in the in the words of my favorite bit of night riders probably i'm just gonna say yes <laughs> out. Don't forget, you can find our perfect and pristine Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash obsessive cinema discourse. And if you think we missed something on any episode, <laughs> yeah, as if, uh, please do email us at ocinemad at gmail.com and bring your own particular OCD into the light. Or was it Osin Emma D at or maybe it was O Cinemad at Oh I know. Maybe it was more like Ock Ein Mad at Or were we thinking Osin Madi? And seriously, I thought you guys were going to fucking savage this movie. And this turned out exactly how I hoped we would all feel about the movie and talk about it. Because I was, I've been dreading doing this on a podcast because I feel so many people just dislike this movie and savage it. And you guys were wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh. <laughs>